We could see Woody's house from a long way off. It was an A-frame cabin. The entire front of the house was glass. Lights were on. It was just about dusk, and you could see everything in the house. And as we got a little closer, driving up that windy road through Walnut Canyon to Woody's house, we saw some figures moving in the house. And as we got closer, it was like watching that Pac-Man video game with uh, somebody moving and somebody chasing. And as we got a little closer, it was Woody that was on the move. And as we got a little closer still, we said, hey, that's Fran following behind Woody up the stairs. And you could see the whole thing like it was just on a big screen. Woody was moving as fast as he could back down the stairs. And Fran was right behind him like this with her Bible open. And uh, you could just see her exhorting Woody who had just lost his wife. They were friends, and she was there to comfort Woody. She meant well. We pulled up in front of the house, and nobody had to say a thing. We could just see what was going on, and we were greenhorns. This was our very first pastorate, uh, we were both in our, uh, in our 20s. Um, I don't know if this was our first bereavement call or not, but uh, pretty early on, Pam said the right thing. She said, you take Woody, I'll take Fran. <laughs> <laughs> we got inside the house and uh, Pam said, Fran... Woody's been away with Irene, and uh, his kitchen's a mess. Let's do dishes. And uh, they poured some water and started to do dishes. And uh, I did the only thing I knew to do. It was a verse of scripture running through my mind uh, from Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And Woody was weeping overcome by tears and I took Woody and we just sat on his front porch overlooking the canyon and arm in arm and we wept. Every scripture that Fran was reading was true. It was good. Her timing was a little off. She missed that scripture from Ecclesiastes that says, for everything, there's a time and a season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. She also didn't read to Woody, apparently, that day, 
the words of Jesus from Matthew 5. Blessed, Jesus says. And these are strange words. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, I like the second part of that verse also. It's a promise. For they shall be comforted. You know that verse. Jesus is a realist. He knows that in this world, there are plenty of opportunities to mourn. There's no shortage of loss and pain and tragedy. I appreciated Pastor Mike. Where are you? There you are. I appreciated very much your candor as you stood before your church family here. You and your family know there's a time to rejoice and a time to mourn. And, and losses come at us from various directions and in ways we don't expect. And when those things happen, they also resurface uh, lots of losses that we've experienced in our lives. You set an example for us this morning. Thank you for your candor. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. That word blessed, and I think you know the nuances of that word. Other translations from the original language of the New Testament, Matthew's gospel are fortunate are those who mourn. Really? Wow. Lucky. It's another straightforward translation. We don't feel very lucky when we're experiencing loss and pain when mourning strikes. Jesus says, you're fortunate. Because only through a proper and healthy mourning process, and it's difficult work, it's not easy, and it's individual for every person. It doesn't follow stages, it doesn't follow a chart, it's different for every person and different for every heart, but it's an important and necessary journey if we're to get to the comfort part. Jesus understands it's only through a proper, healthy grief and mourning that any of us will find comfort. Here are a few things I've learned that I'll share with you today from my own personal journey of loss and grief and mourning and as I've journeyed with friends in that same process. And by the way, I hope you'll come. Stay by this afternoon. What Pam's going to talk about is very practical. You may be right now in the process of of grief and mourning a recent loss. Maybe not. And you say, well, that's for someone else. But you know someone who's going right now through a difficult, dark time and needs to find that lily in the valley. 
you can be a help. This afternoon is going to be very practical, give you uh, uh, some resources and some tools to work for as you become a comforter. Here are a few things I've learned. Number one, pain was never part of God's plan. You know that. This is the work of an enemy. Death is an intruder. It's the result of an enemy. John 10.10 says, these are the words of Jesus, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, I am come that you might have life in abundance. This is the work of an enemy. Pain is positive. Wow. I've learned that to be true. The absence of pain, and there are a lot of people who seek the absence of pain through some awfully destructive means. The absence of pain in and of itself is problematic because pain lets us know something's wrong. There's a disease. It was prominent in Jesus' day. We call it Hansen's disease today. It was called leprosy in Jesus' day. And the basic problem with leprosy is you can't feel pain. So you continue to injure yourself and your body just falls apart. It's a problem. Pain's a positive thing. People who can't experience any sensation of pain are in big trouble. Jesus is not put off by our tears. He stood by the graveside of a friend and he wept. Scriptures say we don't have a high priest who can't be in touch with our pain and our struggles. He has been tempted and tried in every way like as we are. And he is there with us in the midst of our pain. He promises never to leave us, never to forsake us, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God knows pain. He watched his one and only son die a cruel, devastating death at the hands of his enemies. God knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He knows our pain. Here's the good news. Pain's not permanent. One day soon, God will wipe away every tear. He'll put an end to this business of death and pain and suffering and loss. His promise, no more sorrow. No more suffering. No more pain. No more disease. No more death. Revelation says God himself will wipe away every tear. Pam, we won't have to do bereavement seminars anymore when Jesus comes. We won't have to do funerals and memorial services anymore. Those are good things, this side of the second coming. They help us. One day we're going to 
We're going to put the undertakers out of business <laughs> by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I like our funeral directors here in this town. They provide an important, essential, caring service. But they're going to be out of business. When Jesus comes, the former things shall be washed away. That's God's promise. I long for that day. I'm so glad this morning. I am honored. I am privileged to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. How about you? As each day's news unfolds, there's no more. We wonder if we wonder if the tumbler can get any more full of that bitter, bitter elixir. There's no shortage of sadness. There's no shortage of tragedy. There's no shortage of pain. There's no shortage of death. There's an intense shortage in this world of comfort. Jesus is in the business of comfort. It's why he nicknamed the Holy Spirit Comforter. He said, if I go away, he told his disciples, and they didn't want him to go away, the Comforter will come and will be with you. And he keeps Jesus alive in our hearts and makes him vividly, intensely real and makes that comfort that Jesus promised individual and effective for every one of those. I've learned a few things from my friends. I watched my friend Nona in the face of suffering and death teach us all a lesson about continuing to live with hope and vibrancy and intensity, even though her body was racked with pain. I watched my friend Louise get her heaven bag together and place it by her front door. She was ready. She was ready. She was an artist, and uh, she had some things in her heaven bag that were mementos, people that she loved. She had some photographs, and she had her paints and her brushes and a few small canvases. She was imagining already the glorious things that she'd be able to capture with her artistic eye. Her heaven bag was ready. She was ready. Not too many months ago, I stood in front of a, another church family in this valley and uh, as we did a memorial service, and I'm trying to find what happened to, uh, here it is, <laughs> my pen. This is a pen I got that day from my friend Sam, whose untimely loss was uh, mourned greatly by his many friends. And even in death, Sam preached a sermon that day, and he inscribed this on the pen, and everyone that attended that service, uh, his family arranged to take home a pen in memory of Sam. Here's what it says. 
see you there, comma, Sam. I watched my friends Barbara and Daryl in the face of unspeakable tragedy, the brutal murder of their beautiful 25-year-old daughter, Shannon, who was intensely passionate about serving Jesus. I watched them teach me lesson after lesson of grace, courage, forgiveness, and hope. We learn from one another how to negotiate this world full of tragedy and sin and pain and death and loss. By the grace of God, our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ can remain strong in the midst of the storms that assail us. Christ is our one and only Savior. Can you say amen? amen? And he has promised to comfort. His provision for us in every circumstance of life is sufficient and complete. And he will never leave us or forsake us. He promises that he has grace to heal, grace to comfort, grace to forgive, and grace to restore. Just a little while now, as Sam put it, and we'll see you there. He believed that with all his heart. He lived that. And I'm confident that by God's grace, we will indeed see Sam there and those we've been privileged to journey with in this life who have clung to the grace and the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. It won't be long. I'm confident. My dad was a pastor. He had three sons. I don't know how that happened, but we all became pastors. I can remember uh, when I was a kid, we'd be in the family station wagon and uh, my dad would be conducting evangelistic series in a couple of towns away. So we'd pack up after a full day at a church like this day is uh, here in the, in the city church and uh, we'd head for Cross City, Florida where there was a tent set up and uh, dad would preach about the love and the grace and the hope we have in Jesus. And as kids, we'd be plainly worn out. <laughs> and we'd try to stay awake, and uh, sometimes we'd run outside that tent and get, our, get in trouble. Uh, but Mom would gather us in, and when it was all done, we'd climb back in that station wagon, and it was an hour and a half drive home. And we were so ready, so ready to be home. And I think probably all of us said to ourselves at one time or another, when I grow up, I will never do this. <laughs> Be careful what you say, what you promise. 
And mom and dad would say, uh, why don't you guys just close your eyes after we'd uh, exhausted ourselves from fighting with each other. We were really good at that, very skilled. And after a bit, we'd drift to sleep and the car would be rolling. And then the miles would pass. And we'd wake up and it was like just a moment ago when we were still fighting, still bumping down the road. And mom and dad would say, come on in, we're home. You can rest now. That's what it's gonna be like for each one of us. I look forward to that day. Jesus has promised and signed the promise with his blood that that day will come, that we will be able to see him and those that we've lost. And we will, after a long struggle, be home at last. Cling to that promise. Keep that day focused in your eyes and cling to Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, thank you for sending us Jesus. Thank you for your great and precious promises. You know our deepest sorrows. You know our struggles. You know our fears. You know our challenges. You know our pain. And you are there with us to embrace us and carry us home. May that grand and glorious day come soon, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, City Church.